both know what it's like to be hurt. We both know what it's like to feel pain. But I think it's safe to say we're on to better days. Can you, can you relate? Can you relate? Have you ever been left when you should have been loved? Has there ever been a time when you stayed but you should have run? Cause I've been real, I've been fake. Been a sinner, been a saint. Well, good morning, church. Good to see everybody. But when I say everybody, I mean everybody that's here, right? Boy, we have been uh, we have been sick, haven't we? So many people. It just seems like everybody's been getting sick, and we know it is that time of year, uh, of course. But. Um, it's just a little different these days, and so I'm glad that you're here and feeling well enough uh, to uh, to join us this morning, and uh, in a moment, we're just going to hear from God's Word as a call to worship, and uh, and then I'll pray us into a time of worship this morning. But I just wanted to welcome you and give you a chance to kind of to sit and settle down and, and prepare your hearts, uh, because we are um, entering into that time where we can worship, and we can and worship the Lord together. You know, it's a great to be worshipers. And his word tells us that he seeks those that would worship him in spirit and in truth. And we'll do that together this morning, worshiping him in spirit because God is spirit. And that is how we are connected with him and made new in Christ in our spirit. But then all we worship him through the truth of his word and we worship him for not only what he has done but for who he is and so as i read god's word this morning from the psalms listen to the words uh, just take time to reflect on them and and then uh, i'll ask you to stand and we'll pray and begin a time of worship through song all right here is what it says in psalm 96 this is the word of the Lord. Oh, sing to the Lord. Today, declare his mark. To be praised. He is to be feared. Our worthless idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples, and ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come to his courts. Worship the Lord in splendor of holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Say among the nations the Lord reigns. Yes, the world is established and it shall never be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. Let the heavens be glad and let the earth rejoice. Let the sea roar in all that fills it. Let the field exult in everything in it. Then shall all the trees of the forest sing for joy before 
the Lord. Let's stand and pray together. Father, we are thankful together as a group, as the body of Christ, for the day that you have given us. This is a day that you have made. We want to rejoice and be glad in it, for it is your gift to us. But we have also gathered in the name of Jesus that greatest of all gifts. Father, the gift that you have given us because in Jesus is life. And in that new life, we now honor you, we now celebrate you, and now we worship. And we desire to lift up that name that is above all names, the name of Jesus Christ. So, Father, we ask that your Holy Spirit would lead and guide us this morning in all that we say and do. But now, Father, as we spend time worshiping you through song, I ask through your Holy Spirit that the words would sink deep into our hearts as they speak truth to who you are, and that the music would stir our spirit and that would draw draw us closer to you. So, Father, this time of worship is for you, and we come before you now as an offering. And as we join our voices and our hearts together, may you be glorified. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Church, let's worship together. Love so amazing 
sit down, take a moment to greet somebody around you and say good morning in the name of the Lord Jesus. As the kids are invited to make their way down the hall to join their teacher and have a time of worship and a time in the Word. We're going to do that as well uh, here uh, with, um, with all of us. Again, thank you for joining us. And um, it's good to be able to greet one another in the name of the Lord and, and to see each other face to face. And of course, we welcome uh, those of uh, our friends and family that are joining us uh, online and live streaming, we say welcome to all of you. Glad that you could join us. Um, we do want to um, just take a moment. I think it would be totally appropriate and uh, just a good opportunity now to pray for all those that are, that are sick. You know, I think most of us have gotten, gone through something or struggling with some kind of illness, and we know people in our our, uh, our household, our friends and family that are struggling. And so uh, let's, just, let's just pray. Uh, pray um, for the Lord's healing and just pray for God's provision for those that are sick. And then uh, we'll continue in our time together. Father, we thank you for a sweet time of worship as we um, lift our voices together. And Father, um, we pray that it was glorifying to you and a sweet sound to your ear. But we thank you for the truth of the words that we were able to sing together. But Father, um, many of us have been sick or still recovering. There's many at home that um, still, Lord, need healing. And we are just simply asking right now, uh, together uh, with bold confidence, but with all humility, coming before you, our Creator, and just asking that you would, um, that you would bless, that you would bless with healing those amongst uh, our church family that are sick, those that are um, struggling with COVID, with um, infections, with just the common cold, whatever it is, Lord God, we know how many people around us have been struggling with that. And so we are asking now, Lord God, in the name of Jesus, through the moving of the Spirit, but uh, ultimately, Father, we ask you that you would please um, just lay your hand of healing and of compassion on those of us that are sick. We pray, Father, that uh, you bring complete physical healing and restoration of uh, bodies that would be well and healthy. But Lord, until you bring that complete healing, we also pray, Lord, that you would bring relief from symptoms, which can often be so, um, uh, just so difficult to deal with and can be so um, distracting. 
Lord, and disheartening. And we just pray, Lord, that, that the sickness in our church and in our families would not linger, but that you would bring healing. Help us to have patience, Lord, as uh, this works its way through us and through our congregation. And we pray for the churches in our area, those of our friends that go to other churches in the area. We pray for them as well, that you would bring healing to them, Lord. But we look to you because we know that we, uh, we can have medicine and we have medical professionals that we are so thankful for. And we pray a blessing on them, Lord, but we ultimately, all of us, look to you as our source of um, healing and help and hope. And so we pray now, Lord God, in the name of Jesus for these things. Amen. Amen. And let's continue to pray uh, for those that we know that, are, that have been sick. Um, just a few things to update, and then we'll open God's Word together. Um, just remember that this coming Sunday, next Sunday the 16th, we'll be spending some time after service putting together a whole lot of blessing bags. Because on the 23rd, two weeks from now, we have our trip to Delaware, our missions trip down to Delaware, where we will be serving those um, who are struggling with homelessness. And um, it's uh, certainly the colder weather is coming, and we've been feeling that. And so we want to bring all of the coats and hats and warm clothing that, that all of us have been donating down on the 23rd. So next Sunday after service, we ask that you would stay for a little bit and uh, help us put together those bags. I think we need at least 100 that we have to put together. And, and uh, we thank all of you for, um, for donating all the supplies and then, of course, the warm clothing. We have so much more than we could actually bring. And isn't that a wonderful blessing that people have continued to give and more than we can even bring for this one trip. So thank you. Thank you so much for your generosity. And know that, um, that if you can't make it on the 23rd, that you can help uh, continue to be a part of that uh, outreach next Sunday by uh, helping us. The community group will start up in a few weeks, probably the end of this month or the beginning of February. So be looking for that for our Tuesday evening community group that meets here at the church. Um, our Tuesday morning men's and women's Bible studies have uh, started again. And so if uh, that's something you haven't uh, been able to join us uh, for, make sure that you... Put that on your notes in your calendar and consider uh, praying that you would uh, be a part of either the men's uh, early morning study on Tuesday or the women that meet at 930. Uh, there's many ways to, to stay involved or to get involved anew here at Trinity. So just check out our website, trinityallenwood.com, and see all that's going on in different ways that you can get involved, not only to learn and to grow, but of course, to serve. And then finally, what I want to do is just introduce our, our very special uh, guest this morning. Scott Schwartz is one of our missionaries, and he has spoken here a number of times and shared his heart. And I asked him to come again this morning to uh, just share what the Lord's put on his heart for a brand new year. And uh, we're very honored and privileged to be able to, to partner with Scott and his family uh, in mission uh, locally. He is with um, Life in Messiah, and uh, they're all about bringing the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ to our Orthodox Jewish friends in Lakewood and in Brooklyn and um, and uh, throughout the country, but especially here in this area. And we all know where we live that we, um, we have one of the largest 
uh, populations of Orthodox uh, Jewish community uh, in the world. And so what a, what a, a unique uh, mission it is that many churches don't get to participate in, that we can uh, partner, uh, partner with Scott and his family as they do that, which is, uh, as many of you know, a very difficult mission field. And so uh, just wanted to say thank you for giving us the privilege to partner with you. And why don't you come up and uh, share with us what God has put on your heart from his word. And so we can give Scott a round of applause and just thank him for being here. Thank you, brother. Thank you. Yeah, of course. All right. All right. God bless you. God bless you guys. If you have your Bible or uh, your phone, Bible on your phone, open up to Revelation chapter 2. We are going to be in Revelation chapter 2 this morning, verses 1 through 7. I don't know about you, but um, I thought it was timely that uh, the background for the music was like dark clouds, right? You know, we saw that. And isn't that kind of a picture of our day? Would you agree? Raise your hand if you agree with me. Well, we're, we are living in dark times. Um, it has been one, it's coming up on two years. I kind of mark everything by hockey, I'm joking. But I remember when the Flyers canceled their game against the Boston Bruins. At 7 p.m. was like the second week of March. I was so upset because I had my, my snack and my drink. I was ready to watch the game. And they said, nope, COVID has shut everything down. I, who remembers when everything was shut down? Oh, yeah. And we were living in Brooklyn at the time. And uh, we heard sirens 24-7 for about a week. My wife and I would, would, would just weep and cry. We saw people being brought out in stretchers on our street. We were in the epicenter. The other was Elmhurst Hospital in Queens. The other was uh, the area of Brooklyn. But we are living in dark times. And if you're like me, you could use some, some hope and encouragement, right? Yes? Amen? So this morning, I believe God's word will bring us some great encouragement this morning. We want to set our lives, as we sang, on a firm foundation. Yes? And I don't know about you, but I think to myself that I, I came to faith when I was 24 years old, and um, I could not live in this day if I didn't have my faith in Jesus. Do you agree? And I am so thankful for Jesus and his firm foundation in my life, and I'm sure you are thankful for that in your own life. So this morning, while we are in dark times, I want us to remember uh, our first love. And our first love is Jesus the Messiah. Amen? So this morning, I pray that we are all going to return. We can all return. We can all turn back. We can all look closer. We can all draw closer to Jesus, to God our Father closer today than we were yesterday. So the title of my message is simply Returning to Our First Love. And uh, let's just pray as we get ready to hear God's word. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for your word. Thank you, Father, for Jesus, those wonderful worship songs, that you are our firm foundation. And we will not be shaken because we stand upon the rock Jesus the Messiah. And the storms, the seas, the winds, the blizzards, the hurricanes cannot shake us because we're rooted in you. So Lord, may your word challenge us. 
encourage us, strengthen us today. And we ask this all in Jesus' name. And Trinity said, if you don't mind, amen. 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 So, question for you. Have you ever gone on a long journey? A long, long journey. I remember the time I was invited of all places. I was able to, by God's grace, to check off Alaska off of my bucket list. I was invited to share our ministry in Juneau, Alaska. And I thought, oh, it's, it's not too far away. No, it's very, very far away. I took a six-hour flight to Seattle and then had a delay. And then I flew from Seattle to Juno, and they're like, it's almost a three-hour plane ride. Three hours! And then you look at the map and you realize Alaska's all the way up there. And there's a lot of Canada between Alaska and the northwest of our country. But it was a long journey, and I was confetching. That's a Jewish word, Yiddish word for complaining. Until I realized why I am doing what I'm doing. I'm there to share the gospel, to encourage the folks there, to share God's heart with the Jewish people. And on a long journey, sometimes we get wearisome. Somewhere along the journey, we get worn out. We get tired. And sometimes we forget why we are going where we're going. Just like our walk and journey with Jesus, if we're not careful, we can find ourselves a little tired, worn out, discouraged, and sometimes feel defeated. When we take our eyes off of Jesus, our hearts are prone to wander, and sometimes we can feel like giving up. Join me this morning as we take a journey back to our first love, Jesus the Messiah. So we're going to be in Revelation chapter 2, uh, verses 1 through 7. And my wife and I were chatting over coffee yesterday morning, and then later into the evening, and I said to her, I said, we're not in quarantine, are we? She says, no, not really. I said, then why do I feel like we're in quarantine? We're on a long journey, right? And we are trying to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. So some background here on the book of Revelation. We're going to be in the first seven verses of chapter 2. And some background to just give us some update here, where we're at, where we're going. Uh, Revelation, if you don't know, was written around 95 AD by the Apostle John while he was exiled on the island, island of Patmos. There are seven letters that John wrote that Jesus actually wrote to seven churches in Asia Minor. And if you don't know, there is actually a blessing for those that hear and obey the words of the book. How do I know that? Because Revelation 1.3 says this, Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prosopy. You are going to be blessed this morning because I'm going to read publicly the words of Revelation. And blessed are those who not only hear, but who keep what is written in it, for the time is near. The time is near. We are closer now to the return of Jesus than when we first believed. And that is our hope, that this isn't the end of the story. Amen? This life isn't all about the here and now, even though it is dark. Heaven awaits us. Revelation provides a better hope for a church, enamored with this age and despairing of the next. Listen to this great quote by one of my favorite scholars, Craig Keener. Craig Keener says this, 
It is only in that interval of the already and the not yet that hope is situated in what can be experienced as the silence of God or dryness when it seems difficult to continue to believe. And this is why this message is so dear to my heart because I've been at a kind of like a crisis of faith lately. I'm going to be vulnerable this morning. When I first believed, I came out of a world of drugs, alcohol, lived in my car. It was a mess. I did what I wanted, when I wanted, wherever I wanted until I was caught by the law enforcement and I was given a ticket or I, my license was suspended. I did whatever I wanted. I, I drove the same car without a rear bumper for like three months straight. I was stopped about five times until the cop said, give me your license. And I didn't drive for a while. I think it was six months. My life was a wreck, out of control and lost. And when I came to Jesus, it was like the dark clouds parted. I remember as we were worshiping, I remember exactly where I was. I was on Route 611 in Montgomery County near King of Prussia. And it was the morning after I had come to faith and the sky seemed bluer. The leaves on the trees seemed greener, and it was like the birds were in 3D, like Bose stereo, like everything. And I'm like, oh my gosh, the prayer I prayed last night, like it worked. I'm born again. And I would read the stories of scripture, and I would hear about the Exodus and God parting the Red Sea, and I believed it. I believed it. I believed that the sun stood still, even though that seems to go against science. And that they marched around the walls of Jericho seven times and blew shofars and trumpets, and the walls came down, right, from, by blowing trumpets. But that God did that, and there was simple faith. And lately, there's been this nagging, gnawing, did he really do that? We go to uh, Bradshaw Beach in uh, Point Pleasant Beach, and I thought to myself, going up the little walkway of the sand and looking out into the Atlantic Ocean south of Jenkinson's, and I think, what would that be like to part? and see sand. That's what the Israelites did. And I used to believe it like a little child. And as time goes on, you get numb and you start to outthink your faith. I don't know if you've ever been there, you start to outthink your faith. And the Lord reminded me, Scotty, you need to return to your first love. And that's what we find in this letter of Revelation. Few other things concerning this book. Each letter, there's seven letters to the seven churches in Revelation 2 and Revelation 3, and you can go read them. I encourage you, if you have a fireplace, light a fire, get a cup of coffee, hot tea, and cozy up with a blanket and get into God's Word and read about the churches in Asia Minor. Each church is summoned to overcome, and each letter follows a simple pattern. In every letter, it balances praise and reproof. And Jesus, we can learn a lot from Jesus, yes? We can learn a lot from Jesus. We can learn how to communicate with people when they've done something wrong and when they've done something good. He, we're going to notice in this letter, that he praises them first, and then he kind of hits them with the reproof. So if you're ever bringing someone into your office, if you're a superior, compliment them a few times. I love how you're on time. I love how your office is neat. I love how all your work is done with excellence, but I have this one thing, your lunch break's a little long. You know? They receive that reproof a little bit better because there's been some praise. So each church is summoned to overcome, which implies endurance in the coming trial depicted in much of the book. If we are here, and many dispensationalists don't believe we're gonna be here during the tribulation period, it is going to be dark. 
where we, where we will look back at, at COVID and go, phew, that was nothing. Man, the stars are falling from the sky. The earth is being burnt up. There's bowls and, and wrath of God being poured out. So we are encouraged to overcome these things that we will be going through. Or if we are not here, those that are left will go through. So my first point this morning is return to God's love. If you're going to take your notes, there's going to be a lot of R's. So this morning we are going to return to God's love. I am going to look at Revelation 2, 1 through 7. I'm going to be looking at the New King James Version. Why? Because that's the one Jesus read from. I don't know if you have that or an ESV or something else, but John says this in Revelation 2. Here's our text. To the angel of the church in Ephesus... So this is a real church, a literal church, written in about 95 AD. He writes, To him who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks among the seven golden lampstands, I know your works, your toil, your patience, your endurance, and how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not, and you have found them to be false. I know you were enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake, and you have not grown weary. What great praise, yes? But, but, I have this against you, that you have abandoned your first love. Remember, key word there if you want to circle that, remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, Second, repent and do the works you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. Yet this you have. You hate the works of the Nicolaitans. A little encouragement again at the end, kind of softening the blow. <clears throat> which I also hate. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who conquers... I will grant to eat the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. What an amazing letter written to a great church. In verse 1, we noticed a few things. We noticed seven stars, and we noticed seven lampstands. What are those? Well, the seven stars in his right hand, Christ is holding seven stars and walking among seven golden lampstands. The stars were angels or messengers of the churches, and the lampstands were the seven churches. And notice, the seven golden lampstands are seven churches, and it says that Jesus himself walked among those where two or three are gathered, there he is among us. We all carry the Spirit. He's with us this morning. Right? Kind of right now it's cloudy, right? It doesn't look like the sun is there, but the truth is, if we f get in a plane and we flew to Juneau, we would crest at a certain point and we would see the sun, yes? The reality is the sun is there. It just is shaded. The reality is that Jesus is here, and we know that he is with his church, and it says here that he walks amongst the seven churches. Verse 2 and 3, we see right away that Jesus sees his church. 
and their commendable qualities. We notice that Jesus is not, the church, I'm sorry, is not invisible to Jesus, and neither are we. It says that I know your works, your labor, and see that you have tested those who are evil. Jesus sees the good things that you do for him. We are not invisible as we serve the Lord. He mentions their works, their labor, their patience, and their perseverance, and that they did not tolerate evil. My question for us today is where do you and I line up with these qualities? Let this passage, as uncomfortable as it might be, be a mirror for you and I. As we look in this passage, we see their works, that they persevered, that they didn't toil, that they did not tolerate evil. Are we doing those same things? Are we serving the Lord the same way that the Ephesians church served the Lord? And you are. You are going and doing blessing bags. Those blessing bags are a blessing to me as I sat and noticed there are feet and hands to your service of God. John says they have not become weary. Do you ever get weary as you wait for the return of Jesus? I have. If we're all honest, I don't know about you. You're, if you say no, you're probably lying. Don't be a liar. Repent. I get weary. I am weary of the return of Jesus. I'm waiting for the promises of God. I want to see my mother, my father, my family member. I want to see all of Lakewood trusting in Jesus, their Messiah. I long to see the promises of God fulfilled in my lifetime. You might have a loved one that you want to see come to faith. What are you waiting for? Wait in hope, knowing that God is faithful. Galatians 6.9 says this, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. There is a promise as we work for the Lord and do good, at the proper time we will reward, we, He will reward us. Verse 4, so he gives us these positive qualities of these believers. I know your work, your labor, your patience, that you cannot bear with those who are evil. You have tested those that say they are apostles and are not, and have found them liars, and you have persevered, and you have patience, and you have labored in my name. You have worked for the gospel, whether that's feeding the poor, whether that's visiting the jail, whether that's shoveling someone's driveway, whatever it might be, you are working for Jesus. Jesus says he sees the work that this church is doing. But in verse 4, he says this word, nevertheless. And when I read that, nevertheless, nevertheless, it carries weight, doesn't it? It makes you kind of, right? You know, if my, my father came to me, if I came to my son, hey, it was great you cleaned your room. Thank you for putting their clothes away. Thank you for taking your sister's wash and putting it in the dryer. But, <laughs> uh-oh, what? What, what, what? Oh, and you forget all the good stuff that was just told you. Nevertheless, gulp, I have this against you. And what was that? 
that they had left their first love. Nevertheless, this I have against you, that you have left your first love. Labor and patience. But these qualities were not motivated by a love for Messiah. 1 Thessalonians 1.3 says it's a work of faith and a labor of love and a patience of hope. What we do for the Lord is important, but so is why we do it. Amen? The hard work and labor for Jesus were all good things, but they were missing the most important thing, and that was love. Not only love, but their first love. I believe Jesus here is reminding them and us of what it was like when we first believed. When was that pitiful, not pitiful, pivotal moment of when they came to trust Jesus as their Messiah? Trinity, do you remember when you first believed? Do you remember what it was like? I do. I lived for years for myself, drugs, trying to numb myself from the world. I was lonely, afraid, anxious, lost. And then Jesus found me, and I received his love. It was the greatest love I had ever experienced. Sometimes we can forget our first love. I've been saved since 94. Sometimes I forget. The Ephesian church had experienced his love, and Jesus was graciously calling them back to the beginning, to the basics of their faith. A serious danger for you and for me is hearing Jesus' message to the Ephesians church and their weakness of leaving their first love and to simply dismiss it from any revelant. Someone help me out. What's that word? Thank you to ourselves. Blame it on COVID. (laughs) Yet dismissing the church in Ephesus is somewhat like reading the story of the Pharisees and the tax collectors in Luke and concluding, thank God I'm not like these Pharisees. We need to hear the warning this church presents to us. Amen? Warren Wearsby, one of my favorite commentators, I feel like he's my personal pastor. Every time there's a tricky text or a theological question, I'll turn to Warren Wearsby's commentary on the New Testament. He says this, it's not enough to simply hear or read the word of God. We must respond to its message from the heart. We must take the message personally and say a believing amen to what it says. This busy, separated, sacrificing assembly really suffered from heart trouble. Their first love. They displayed works, but left their first love. You might be asking yourself like I did when I read the scripture, what is first love? First love is the devotion to Christ that so often categorizes the new believer, fervent, personal, uninhibited, excited, and openly displayed. We had a New Year's Eve celebration, and there's a young man named Peter, and he's 20 years old, and he's got his Bible under his arm. And I'm like, it's a New Year's Eve celebration. We're eating food, playing games, laser tag. Why do you have your Bible? He's like, hey, I'm Peter. I'm like, hey, bro, what's up? He's like, so where are you at in the Bible today? I'm like, I'm like dude, it's New Year's Eve, bro, chill. He's like, I'm in. And I'm like, okay, here we go. He's like, don't you love Jesus? 
I'm like, yeah. He's like, I just got saved six months ago. I'm like, ah, okay, I see. I see. That was me at one time. But we have a fireplace, right? And I, I've been learning a lot from my fireplace. If you have a fireplace, light a fire. One of the logs had broken off, and it was over there. And it was smoking, fire, fire, fire. Quickly, it was out. Take it back and put it in the fire. It lit up, right? We had a low fire. It's going out. Corey's like, blow on it. Fan the flame. Give it some air. Give it some juice. That's what happens to our faith. Sometimes we remove ourselves. Sometimes we get away from when we first believed, and we start to cool. The Ephesians had started to cool. They still did everything. They were serving the Lord. They were going to church. They didn't tolerate evil. They stood up for godly things, but they had left their first love. So think about this again. First love is also, as I had just read, fervent, personal, uninhibited, excited, and openly displayed. It's the honeymoon love of husband and wife, right? While it is true that mature married love deepens and grows richer, it is also true that it should never lose the excitement and wonder of those first honeymoon days. When a husband and wife begin to take each other for granted, life becomes routine, then the marriage is in danger. The same with our faith. Sometimes we can become too familiar with God and with the things of God and forget what it was like to not believe. Just think, it's possible, it is possible to serve, sacrifice, and suffer for his name's sake, that's what the text says, and yet not really love Jesus Christ. That's what this text tells us. The Ephesians believers were so busy maintaining their separation that they were neglecting adoration. Labor is no substitute for love, neither purity a substitute for passion. The church must have both if it is to please him. This busy, separated, sacrificing assembly really suffered from heart trouble. God calls us to return to our first love, and then he restores us afresh in his love. Remember and repent. First we remember where we fell. What was it like to be on fire for Jesus? Repent of how we are not as close as we maybe should be. And it's not a works thing. It's just, Lord, I haven't, I don't believe like I used to. I don't just believe like a child. What you say I, I kind of outthink you. That's what's been going on in me. And there's a, a repentance that needs to happen. Lord, I'm sorry. And then remember God's love. So this church is the church at Ephesus. And he's writing to this church. And Paul had written to this church previous. So God had ministered to the church of Ephesus. Paul had pastored that church. Years had gone. I, and God is sending John to write a letter because they had left their first love. But this is what it was like previous. Paul wrote to this church years before and said that may Christ dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love 
may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width, the length, the depth, and the height. What? To know, to experience the love of Christ, which passes knowledge. This is uh, Ephesians 3, 14, 17 through 19. Verse 19, to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. The width, the length, the depth, the height, to know the love of Messiah. Charles Spurgeon says this, I love this quote. Charles Spurgeon says about the length of God's love in Ephesians 3, it is so long that your old age cannot wear it out. So long your continual tribulation cannot exhaust it. Your successive temptations shall not drain it dry. Like eternity itself, it knows no bounds. Come on, Charles. Amen? Amen. What a great, great quote. Remembering, repenting, allows us to be rooted. Rooted in Messiah's love. I think of plants, trees, the stuff of this earth. I think of Bruce, right? He probably teach me a little bit of something about horticulture. But God knows the most about horticulture. In Psalms 1, he says this, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. What will happen if he meditates day and night on the word of God? It tells us, he shall be like, so look at the tree. I love how God gives us earthly illustrations to communicate truth. Look, he shall be like a tree. A tree where? Planted by the rivers of water. What happens to a tree that's planted by the rivers of water? I'm glad you asked. It brings forth its fruit in its season. Its leaf shall not wither, and whatever that person does shall prosper. Jeremiah 17, 7 and 8 says, Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose hope is in the Lord. Why? What happens if a man trusts and hopes? He shall be like a tree planted by the waters, which spreads out its roots by the river and will not fear when heat comes, will not fear when COVID is here, but its leaf will be green and will not be anxious in the year of drought, nor will cease from yielding fruit. God produces fruit in our lives when we draw near to him. So resting in God's love is my final point. Jesus called his church to repent and to remember. Isaiah 30, 15 says this, For thus says the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, In returning and rest you shall be saved. In quietness and confidence shall be your strength. Amen? Isaiah 30, 15. We find great encouragement in the story of Mary and Martha. Mary and Martha in Luke chapter 10 says this, Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, 
who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. Notice what Mary was doing, sitting at the feet of the Lord. But Martha, she was distracted with much serving. She was putting falafel together in the kitchen, grounded up the chickpea, throwing some mint in there, making a little tahini sauce, <coughs> making some matzo ball soup, a little brisket, a little Jewish action. Martha was distracted with much serving, but we're glad she was distracted because it was probably a really good meal, yes? She was distracted with much serving, and she put everything down, and she went up and said to him, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me for me to serve alone? Like, I've got carrots that need to be chopped up to put in the matzo ball soup, and she's, she's out there sitting, listening to you. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, oy vey, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Necessary. It has to happen. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. And what was that? The text tells us she was sitting at the master's feet, listening to him. We hear him by reading this, sitting at his feet. Mary has chosen the good portion, will not be taken away from her. Consider Mary's situation. She received Jesus into her home and then neglected him as she prepared an elaborate meal that he did not really need. Certainly a meal was in order, but what we do with Messiah is far more important than what we do for Messiah. Few things are as damaging to the Christian life as trying to work for Messiah without taking time to commune with Messiah. My wife is from Vermont. If you're in Vermont and you come from down here, I came from Philly, if you come from New Jersey, you're called Flatlanders, we're city folks. And her family, they're all like guns and hunting and getting dirty, right? Chopping wood, they had a wood stove. And I remember, I grabbed this axe, and I'm like, hey, I'll help your father. She's like, you see that axe? I'm like, what? She's like, there's rust on it. I'm like, oh, shoot. She gives it to her father, and he sharpens the axe. What she should have said is, let me help have you try to chop some wood before I sharpen it, right? It's much easier to sharpen your axe and then chop wood, because it's going to cut right through. As we serve the Lord, it's much easier to do for the Lord when we are with him, loving him, in prayer, fellowshipping, believing in his word. Unless we meet Messiah personally and privately each day, we will soon end up like Martha, busy but not blessed. Amen? My son Micah, we were thinking of Vermont. Uh, one day I was outside and I hear this humming. And remember that song, Bless the Lord, oh my soul, oh my soul. That was my son's favorite song. He's now 11, Micah, Micha in Hebrew, who's like the Lord. And he's in the truck and he's humming. And I'm like, hey, babe, what's that humming? He's like, oh, it's Micah. I'm like, okay. So I go out and I, I hide myself on the porch and he's in the dirt with the, and he's Bless the Lord. I mean, he's like with the trucks. Just, it was stark. I was just like arrested. 
He's just playing with his trucks and sitting with his Lord, sitting with his Messiah, worshiping, just praising God, sitting at his feet, playing with his little trucks. And the Lord was like, when's the last time you did that, Scott? Sat before the Lord, simply loving Jesus. Tell me if you can relate to the words of this famous hymn. Oh, to grace, how great a debtor, daily I'm constrained to be. Let thy goodness like a feather bind my wandering heart to thee. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, oh, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. That hymn writer knew what it was like to leave his first love. And through that song, he remembered, he repented, and he returned to his father's love. John 15 says this, verse 9 and 10, As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Remember the days of first knowing the love of God. What was it like to first walk with Jesus? How simple it was to just love him. I remember the days, my wife just reminded me, speaking of Vermont, we were, we were feeling this call to the mission, we were feeling this call to abandon everything and leave my job as a salesman at the dairy, and I would take a chair and I'd go by this little babbling river, this small little brook that came off the mountains of Vermont. And I'd have my Bible and I'd have my journal. And I just sat. I needed to hear from the Lord. And that hasn't happened in quite some time. Maybe I need to do that again. So when we remember and repent and return, we are rewarded How do I know that? Verse 7, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. This final passage here in verse 7. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give to eat from the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. We come full circle back to the days of Adam and Eve, who were in the middle, in the midst, of the tree of life. If you look back at Genesis 1, 2, and 3, it says that Adam and Eve were placed in the garden and there was a tree of life and a tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They fell. Check this out. They fell. And what happened? God drop-kicked them out of the garden, away from the tree of life. What does Revelation say? Revelation says, I will give him the privilege of eating from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. God, if you are a follower of Jesus, will bring you back to the Garden of Eden one day in the paradise of God. That'll get you through COVID. Can I get an amen? That'll get you through the sinus infection that I had two weeks, and God sent me amoxicillin, thank the Lord, for amoxicillin. After my fifth pill, I felt better. I couldn't even read. I was so, uh. <coughs> But we have a hope beyond this world. Amen? 
the reward of God's love, the reward and promise of eating from the tree of life in the paradise of God. When you have assurance of the future, Trinity, you have stability in the present. Did you hear what I said? When you have assurance for the future, you have stability of the present. I have to take a break from Fox News just because every day it's a different thing. Different, you know, now they're thinking there's another strain. I don't know. I don't even want to know. So turn off the news. But if I focus on Jesus and I rest in him and his love, I have stability in the present because I know where my future is. So now, what do we do with all this? This church in Ephesus written 2,000 years ago, God was encouraging them, rewarding them, challenging them, rebuking them. What about us? I'll leave you with three simple things if you've left your first love or you want to stay close to your first love. These are three things you must do. First, we must remember. It literally means to keep on remembering every day. Do this what? In remembrance of me when we have communion. What we have lost, remember what we have lost and cultivate a desire to regain that close communion once again. First, we remember where we fell. Second, we must repent. It means to change our minds, to confess our sins to the Lord. 1 John 1.9 says if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Lord, I'm sorry I've forgotten you. I've gotten really busy making matzo ball soup and I've neglected the best thing, simply spending time with you. Third, we must repeat. Remember, repent, and repeat. He says, repent and do the first works. What are the first works? Simply loving Jesus. So third, we must repeat the first works which suggests restoring the original fellowship that was broken by sin and neglect. For the believer, what does this mean? This means prayer, Bible reading, meditation, obedient service, and worship. It also might mean listening to music if that draws you close to the Lord. It might mean serving someone else. If you're a theologian, it might mean studying the original. There are some academics that just get off so much by reading the nuances of the original language and seeing God's beauty, and they fall in love with Jesus. It might be going into God's creation, taking a walk in Allaire State Park, or going to the beach, bundling up, and seeing the great power of the waves. It might be like my wife on her iPad Pro, where she has a pen and she can paint, and has made these beautiful painting. God has gifted her with that gift, and she just feels God's presence when she draws. Whatever it is, return to that. Return to him. His love awaits all of us. His promise in Hebrews eleven six says this, but without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those 
who diligently seek him, sitting at the feet of Yeshua, receiving the love he has for you and for me, letting our roots go deep. Let us renew ourselves, Trinity, every day. His love will quiet us, restore us, and bless us as we rest in him. Remember, repent, and repeat. May we return to our first love. Amen? Amen. Let's stand and pray. Father, thank you for this reminder in your word. Lord, sometimes we we look around wondering what your will is, what your plan is for us. And the first thing, first and foremost, is to love you, to sit at your feet. Lord, thank you for the blessing that we receive when we overcome, when we remember, repent, and return. We have the hope to eat from the tree of life and to dwell in the paradise of God. Lord, may you remind of us these things every day, each day, as we walk with you. Restore us to our first love, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you, brother. Thank you, brother Scott. Well, church, as we leave this place, let us take these words to heart and go back and and reread Revelation chapter 2 and God's message to that church. And uh, we're so grateful. Thank you, brother, for sharing that important message. And what a great way to begin our new year, being reminded of our first love. Amen. So as you go, take that message with you and bless others with it. And until we see you again, uh, stay healthy and stay hopeful in the name of the Lord Jesus. Good to see you. Enjoy your week.